Today, Pastor Javen encourages us that more important than the goals and resolutions we're setting for ourselves are the prayers we are praying for others in this new year. So take a moment now and prepare your heart for today's service. Just a few words from Paul in the book of Colossians, chapter 1, verse 9. Paul wrote these words and he says, We have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord. And your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. We also pray that you will be strengthened with all his glorious power. So you will have all the endurance and patience you need. May you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. For he has rescued you from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Father, we thank you for your word that we have. We pray now that you will just let it resonate in our heart, permeate our minds. Allow us to go in the strength of your word to serve you, God. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, let's jump in to the word. Now, with it being a new year, I know you're focused on those goals that you're setting for yourself. This is what happens every year, right? We're focused on our goals. We're focused on our resolutions. We have wishes for the new year. I was reminded of a cartoon, a Peanuts cartoon, uh, with Lucy and Linus. This wasn't, it's not related to New Year's. But it's related to them making a wish. They found a wishbone, and Lucy was trying to give directive to Linus on how to make a wish using a wishbone. And so this conversation takes place between them, and, uh, and, and Linus comes out, never eating so much chicken. Lucy, this is a wishbone, Linus. We both make our wishes, and then we pull it apart. Whoever breaks off the biggest part gets his wish. And Linus, do we wish out loud? Of course we wish out loud. If you don't wish out loud, how, how will they, the wish answerer know what to bring you? I apologize for being so stupid, Lucy. I love the way Linus responds to it. She says, let's see now. I wish for a new doll, a new bicycle, for new sweaters, some new uh, saddle shoes, a wristwatch, uh, about $100. And then Linus, I wish for a long life for all my friends. I wish for peace in the world. I wish for greater advancements in the field of science and medicine. Don't you love Lucy's response? You seem to have a knack for spoiling everything. (laughs) I know that you have your personal goals and your personal resolutions and your personal wishes today. My goal is not to spoil anything for you today. You need those. You need to have them. But I think even bigger than our personal goals that we have for ourselves in the new year and our personal resolutions and all those types of things are the prayers that we pray. And the prayers that we don't just pray for ourselves, but the prayers that we pray for others. In fact, all the goals and the resolutions that you have in your life, if you don't ground those in prayer, you're not going to have a lot of strength to meet them. Prayer is essential. Prayer is important. And so we look at this text this morning in this letter that Paul is writing to the church of Colossae. Now, Paul is in prison when he writes this letter. But he has been given word that there is a church that has been birthed in the town in an area called Colossae. So he writes that that's why it's called Col- Colossians. 
It's not collisions, it's Colossians, right? Because that's the people who are there. And he hears about this guy, Epaphras, who had, whose life had been changed when Paul had one of his missionary journeys. And, and on that missionary journey, Epaphras got to experience the word of God through Paul. His life was changed forever. So his faith became real to him. It became personal to him. And so Epaphras then took that faith he had and he birthed a church in Colossae. And so he's got all of these people beginning to follow Christ and beginning to experience a personal faith in Jesus Christ. And that's important because Paul writes that early in the letter. He's saying, I've heard about your personal faith in Christ. It's not just a personal faith. We, We live in a world that likes to put a lot of focus on how much faith someone has, not on what the faith is that someone has in But what our faith is in is more important than just the amount of faith we have. Our faith needs to be in something grounded and something secure, something that's not void of promise and empty. And that's why Paul says, I celebrate the faith that you have in Christ and you have made this personal to you. It's not Epaphras' faith that you were excited about. It is a faith that has become personal to you. And that's what has to happen in our life. We have to have a faith that's personal to us. It can't be your mama and daddy's faith. It can't be your relative's faith. Just because you grow up in a Christian home or you're born into a home with Christian family and Christian parents doesn't make you a Christian. It has to be your faith. The same can be said for someone who grows up in a home that doesn't have faith in Christ. Just because you're, you're in a home that doesn't have faith in Christ, that doesn't mean you can't begin to have faith in Christ. Because it's personal faith. And it's in Christ, something that is something that is wholesome, that has, that gives you hope and gives you hope eternally. But see what's happening in the church of Colossae and what Paul is hearing about is what happens in a lot of these churches around. And this is why the word of God is living and active and it doesn't become uh, a void of truth for us because this same thing is taking place in our world and in our culture constantly all the time. What's happening in Colossae is that these guys are having a faith that's being intruded and there's these elements of paganism And there's these elements of secular philosophy that are being combined with their personal faith that they have in Christ. And Paul is saying, you've got, your faith can't be a designer faith. You can't take what works for you, pick and choose, and then take something else from somewhere else. No, it's got to be what Christ taught you, what Christ has given you. And so that's why he's telling them your faith is grounded in a salvation that comes from Jesus Christ, from nothing else. And so you have this strong faith that comes from that and you have an eternal hope because of that. And it's not just a hope for something. It's hope in. It's hope in a trusted person who has already produced an outcome. And it's better to have an eternal hope than an eternal wish, right? And so he's telling them, you've got a strong faith grounded in a salvation that comes through Jesus Christ. And you have an eternal hope that comes from that as well. And so, so because you have, because you have this faith internally that gives you a hope eternally, then what he's beginning to express to them is that this should produce in you a love externally in your life that reflects the goodness of God. And so Paul goes into this powerful prayer that we just read in Colossians chapter one, verses nine through 14. He gives them a very powerful prayer. It's a prayer that we should echo. 
in our own lives. This is what I believe should be a new year prayer for us. Something that we pray constantly and not just for ourselves, but for others. A prayer that should be echoed. The great preacher Charles Spurgeon, he he wrote these words. He said, we are not sent into the world to live unto ourselves, but we are members of one body. This is what scripture teaches us. This is what Paul teaches in other letters. And he says, each member is expected to contribute to the health and the comfort of the whole. This is why Pastor Brian was talking about how we as a body need to be there for those who lose loved ones because we need to be there for them and for many other reasons. And then he goes on and he says, in temporal things, we may not be able to enrich the church for lack of substance. In other words, you may not be able to do everything just because you don't have to be able to do. You may not have to give, you may not have the gifting to perform in certain areas, in certain areas of service. So if you can't do it because of those reasons, that's it. But then he makes this powerful statement. Spurgeon says, but if we fail to bless the church by our prayers, it will be for lack of grace. In other words, if you don't pray for others, it's because you just don't care. God, help us to not let that be us. Let us have a desire to pray and cover the people that we do this life with and those that we want to see their lives changed by the goodness and the grace of God and see them begin to have a personal faith in Christ Jesus. Let us be moved to pray for these people. So Paul begins to pray. He begins to pray that the church there at Colossae has a proper knowledge and a proper conduct. That's what he's praying for. That they have a, a conduct that's fruitful from the knowledge that they're, they're getting from God. A conduct that is empowered by the Spirit. And a conduct that overall gives glory to God in everything that they do. This is what Paul is praying to see happen in, in their life. It's a discernment of God's will and the power to live that will out in their life. Now these six verses that we read, verses 9 through verse 14... This will mess up all the English teachers and the grammar snobs and the grammar nerds. This, in the Greek, this is one long sentence, right? And you're like, you can't do that. Paul said, yeah, I can't watch me. But it is a power packed prayer that he prays. And so as, as we go into this new year, in these next 15, 20 minutes, let's just look at what he prays. Let's just look at the power of what he prays and how we can take this prayer and make it our new year prayer. Make it a part of our life every day as we go into this new year. First thing we need to notice is when he goes into this prayer, he tells them, I have not stopped praying for you. We have not stopped praying for you. The people that he still has in in his life that he can talk to. He says, ever since we heard about the faith that you have, we haven't stopped praying for you. Does that mean that every second of the day, Paul is continuing to pray for the church at Colossae? No, that's not what it means. It just means that there's not going to come a point in time where he says, oh, they don't need our prayers anymore. No, he knows that when you have a personal faith in Christ Jesus, that faith is always going to be under attack. So there's never a day that you don't need prayer. You're not going to come to a moment in your life where I've arrived. I don't need prayer anymore. No, you need prayer all the time. So Paul says, we haven't stopped praying for you and we're not going to stop praying for you because we know you need this. Prayer is natural. It's, it's natural to, it should be the natural thing we do like breathing. We don't think about breathing until we can't breathe. 
until we're having a hard time breathing. Breathing is just something we do. Prayer should just be something we do. When we have that moment in any time in, in our day, we just stop and say a quick prayer. Spend some, just, just offer up a prayer to God. Any chance we get when we're riding, when we're getting ready, when we're a moment of peace, whatever it is, we just take that moment and, and, and pray. When we wake up in the middle of the night and can't go back to sleep, pray, right? It's, it's anytime you have that opportunity, you just keep praying. It should be that natural reflex. And Paul says, I haven't stopped praying for you. And then he begins to go into a prayer and he begins to go into a prayer that's very similar to prayers he prays for other churches that he writes to. We see it in other letters. For example, in Ephesians, he writes this and uh, he says, to, to, uh, he said, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of his glory? of his inheritance in the saints, what is the surpassing greatness of his power towards us who believe. It's a very similar prayer, just in different words. And he prays the same type of prayer over and over for all of the churches that he has an impact to, all of the people that he has an, an ability to have had an impact in their life. He's praying this prayer. So he begins to pray that God, so he goes into this next verse and he begins to pray that God will give them or he will fill them with complete knowledge of his will and spiritual wisdom and understanding. So he's asking God to, to give them or depending on what translation you're reading or fill them with this wisdom, with this understanding. Now to understand this, there's three different meanings that that phrase can have that, that's written in the original language. But all of these meanings give us an understanding of what Paul is saying. One of those meanings is this, is that to be filled, meaning, meaning that you have, it's like a wind directing the sails of a ship forward into a certain place, into a certain direction. So you're being filled with something that's moving you forward in a purpose, in a direction. Another one of those meanings is you're being filled in a way that it's permeating, it's permeating you like salt permeates. It permeates to bring flavors. It permeates to, to preserve. And remember what Jesus told us to be, he told us to be salt, right? Meaning that we should permeate. And, and, God, and, and Paul is praying that this wisdom, this understanding, this knowledge permeates their life. Another one is it's saying is, is it's a meaning that means that you become under total control of what you're being filled with. Examples of, uh, of this come in a few different places in the Gospels. A couple are in Luke. When One is when Jesus is, is uh, he's around the Pharisees and other people and he heals a paralytic. And the Pharisees begin rebuking him and, and uh, people are astonished. And Luke writes these words that says that the people were filled with fear. They were overcome with that fear. That fear became an emotion that overtook them. Another place in Luke, when Jesus heals some, uh, uh, someone's hand, it says that the Pharisees and the scribes were filled with rage. It's the same context, same area that this, this language is being used. And what happened when they were filled with that rage? We know the way the Pharisees and the scribes were led. All of a sudden now, this, this has taken total control of them. It has permeated everything about them. It's causing them to permeate those around them. It's affecting the way they move and direct. And what does that move? They're moving now to kill Jesus at any chance they get. It overtook them. And that was their goal and their purpose. That's what this is saying. Another place, Jesus is talking to his disciples and John is writing this and he's telling them about he, he's leaving, but the Holy Spirit is coming and, and he talks about their reaction and it says that he, he looks at him and he says, sorrow has filled your heart. And he says, you're being overtaken by sorrow right now. 
You can't even see the future. You can't even see what I'm telling you about what's to come next because you're overcome with the sorrow that all you've heard is I have to leave. So we have to be careful about what's filling us. If you don't like the direction you're headed in your life, if you, if you, if you don't like the control you feel like you're under all the time, like you, you have emotions that are constantly overcoming your life and you're being consumed by those emotions and they, you, you're under their total control. If you don't like that, begin to pray, God, fill me with the knowledge, with the complete knowledge of God and the, and the wisdom and the understanding that I need from that. Because, because it's not just about the content of what we're being filled with. It's about the direction that what we're being filled with is moving us to. And how it's using us to impact those around us. It's a, it's a knowledge, not just of, but a knowledge experience. Not just a knowledge about, but a knowledge that becomes personal to us and that we have. And it's a wisdom and an understanding because we take it and we apply it. And we use it in our life. You know, it, it, Paul doesn't want them just to understand the truths of what they're hearing. He wants them to be able to take those truths and apply them into their life. There was a Scottish uh, minister and theologian by the name of William Barclay. And he made this statement. He said, a man may quite easily be a master of theology and a failure in living. Able to write and talk about the eternal truths and yet helpless to apply them to the things which meet him every day. Paul is saying, I don't want you to be that way. I don't want you to be just puffed up with a bunch of knowledge. Let that knowledge fill you and then apply it in your life and let it direct you and move you. And that's why he goes into the next part of his prayer in verse verse 10 about how we begin to honor and live our lives. So he begins to pray that the way you live will always honor and please the Lord, that your lives will produce good fruit, that you will grow. You know, in several places in, in Paul's letters, he gives this imagery of walking, of walking with God. It's about our walk. That's why in several places he talks about Galatians, Romans, he talks about walk by the spirit. Don't let yourself walk by the flesh. This imagery of walking is important to us because it teaches us who learns to walk. Do you have to become an adult to learn to walk? No. Little kids, little babies, toddlers, as soon as they begin to get the strength to pull themselves up, to stand on their two feet, they begin to learn to walk. And they begin to learn to put one foot in front of the other. That's what walking is. And that's why we don't have to, we, we don't, we, we don't let, need to let ourselves get so bogged down. And am I doing everything the way, just one foot in front of the other. And, and Paul, Paul goes on in his letter to Colossians and he, and he says, one of those ways that, that we walk, two of those steps is simply this. You're putting off the old man. You're putting on the new man. That's how it starts. So every day you get up, you're walking. I'm putting off the old putting off the new. That old man's not a part of me. I'm new. God has created me new. One foot in front of the other. And as you keep walking, Paul says you keep growing. There's a story of a a little girl that was in the garden with her mom and they were, and the the girl sees the flowers growing and she looks at her mom. She says, mom, I know why the flowers want to grow. So her mom, of course, is curious of what the intelligence is going to come from this 
little girl about the meaning of growth of the flowers and why they want to grow. So she says, tell me, why do they want to grow? And the little girl looks at her mom and says, well, mom, they grow because they want to get out of the dirt. You don't have to have a lot of depth and understanding for that, right? That's why we should want to grow. Because we want to get out of this mess. We want to get out of the muck and the the mess of our life that we've created on our own. Get out of the dirt. We want to grow and we want to produce. We want to live a life that is producing something. Not about us, but about Him. It's this process of growth. It's so awesome what God does. The, The good news comes in our lives. And the good news then leads us to this good change. Right? So we see this good change begin to take place in our life. And then all of a sudden that good change begins to produce and create a good walk in us. And as as we're going through this good walk, now we begin to produce good works. Works of love and service to others. And some of that good works is good advice that comes from the scripture, that comes from spiritual uh, words of understanding and words of of wisdom. So we, we have this good news that comes in our life and this good change and this good walk that produces good works and good advice. And all the while, all that is happening is producing good news through us. It's proclaiming good news to us about that change that's taking place in our lives. And others begin to hear the good news that's taking place in, in our life and coming from our lives. So you know what happens? Good fruit begins to be produced. People whose lives are now affected by the same good news that changed your life. So guess what happens in their life? They've got a good change. That produces a good walk. That creates good works. And good advice. Proclaiming the good news. It's a cycle. And God does this in our life. And all this while, while we're allowing him to fill us and direct us and move us. We're living a life that honors him and it's a life that's growing and it's a life that's empowered by the spirit to allow us to be able to walk. We can't do everything in our own strength. As much as we often think that we can do things in our own power, in our own strength, we can't do everything in our own strength. In fact, there's some circumstances, there's some traumas in life that we cannot face that trauma and face that experience with joy without the spirit of God. And we need him and we need that enabling power and that enabling presence in our life. So his spirit will empower us and strengthen us. And that's what Paul is saying to be able to live this life and to not just live it in a way that grows and honors him, but he tells us then that, that, that it fills us so that we can have endurance. Look at verse 11. He tells us, we pray that you're strengthened with all his glorious power so you'll have endurance and patience and you'll be filled with joy. That, that, those word, that word, that phrase, endurance and patience, is one word. It's a word, that's a fun word, hupomone. <laughs> I, I did a devotion for North Central football team one year when I was a youth pastor and this was the devotion I gave them. It was about the perseverance. And I told them that word was hupomone. And talk about how it was a fun word. So when you're in those battles, when you're in those trenches and, and you, you're, you're battling, you're wondering, can I keep going? Can I keep moving forward? Can I deal with this? I want to give up. Just begin shouting, hoopamone, hoopamone, hoopamone. And it was so funny. A couple of days later, I was out and I think I was at a grocery store and some young dude come running up to me and he said, we were on the field and this was happening and we just all started yelling, hoopamone, and we won the game. And I'm like, that's awesome. I don't know if they won any more after that, but that, that was, that was great. They may have, I can't remember. This was years ago. 
But, uh, but this is what hupomone, it's, it's that talking about this endurance and this, this patience to keep going, to keep moving, to not give up, to whatever circumstances you're facing in your life, to not let them cause you to stop. It's that patience and that willingness to, to, to put up with people and to keep moving forward and to keep going forward in the faith and the strength that you have, all the while producing and not letting those things rob you of your joy. You need the Spirit to help you with that. So William Barclay, who I mentioned earlier, he, he says this. So Paul is saying then that our prayer should be this. Make me, O Lord, victorious over every circumstance. Make me patient with every person and with all. Give me the joy that no circumstance and no man will ever take from me. So as you're filled and as you're moving forward with him, and you're producing something in your life through what you're applying. And you're doing all this through the strength of his spirit because times might get tough. I mean, Jesus even talked that. That's why he taught in John 14 to 16. All that teaching from Jesus lines up with Paul's prayer. He's telling them, he says, Jesus is telling them, I'm leaving, but the Holy Spirit's coming because the Holy Spirit's going to allow you to keep growing to keep taking the words that I've taught you, to keep empowering you, to keep allowing you to strengthen. It's not going to be easy though. He tells them that. But then he says, but take heart because I've overcome the world. Even though the world is against you, your faith is in me and I've overcome the world. He says, so that's why you need to abide in me, Jesus said. And when we abide in him through the power of his Holy Spirit, he says that we will produce fruit and we will produce fruit that lasts. And so Paul's prayer is just echoing the teaching of Jesus. And so then he goes into that next part of his prayer. He says, always thanking the Father. Because he's enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to the people who live in the light. So all of this is glory to God. Everything you do, it's about him. Because it's all Everything that, 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 that we have, it's been given to us by our Father. And through what Jesus Christ has done for us. We're qualified to be in the presence of God, not just now, but eternally because of Jesus Christ and because of what he's done. Not anything that we've done. He's purchased our freedom. He's forgiven our sins. He's rescued us from a dark place and he's restored us Paul says into a place of light a place of life and that should be where our attitude for continual gratitude is grounded in with the father so if you keep going in this letter in Colossians you'll see that Paul goes on and he reminds them the basis of where their forgiveness rests and it's in the redemption of Christ secured through his death on the cross and his resurrection from the grave. And he basically tells them, look, Christ is not merely a founder of a new religion. Because he tells them this, he says, Jesus Christ is the image of the invisible God. So the God, the father, the creator that you don't see, that you haven't seen, that you haven't met personally. Yes, you have, because you met him through Jesus Christ. He is the, so that forgiveness that is offered to you is not just forgiveness shared by a man. It is forgiveness given by God himself. 
He is the image of the invisible God. And all of this comes through the power of Jesus Christ. There's a story from Greek mythology about Hercules. Hercules, Hercules. And it's a story. The king, it tells us that the king had a stable that had 3,000 oxen in it. 3,000 oxen in it. And the story says that the stalls had not been cleaned for over 30 years. Now, if that was true, you would know. That's why you groaned, right? You would know how bad that is. So he calls on Hercules, who is a man of full, you know about Hercules from mythology. He's a man of mighty power and strength. And he tells Hercules, I need you to go clean that stable that hasn't been cleaned in 30 years, that houses 3,000 oxen, but I need you to do it in a day. So Hercules goes into the stable, the story says, and he's overcome, (laughs) as you can imagine, if it were real, by the filth and the disgust and the smell and the stench, all of that of the stable. But then he remembers there's these two great rivers that are running, the story says, outside around this, this stable. And so he goes out and in his strength, he builds a path to cause those rivers to run through the stable. And the rivers run through the stable and they wash clean everything that's in that stable, all the stink stench, all the muck, all the disgust, everything about it, it wipes it out. And then he turns the rivers back to flow again, the way they need to flow, but he cleans the stable. Now that's a myth, but myths in themselves and by their nature are basically longings that the culture who embraces those myths and share those myths their longings that they have. And really that's a longing that's illustrated by pretty much everyone. That there is a longing for the mess that's in our lives to be cleansed. And the mess that we constantly make year after year, it seems like, But the scripture tells us that there is a powerful river of forgiveness that flows from the throne of God. And Jesus Christ himself said that he had living water. And this water that he brings, this life-giving water, this river that flows, the scripture tells us, from the throne of God, can cleanse our life. It doesn't matter how defiled we are. It doesn't matter how grotesque our life may look. Our heart may have become. Nothing can withstand the cleansing power of the forgiveness of God. And when we humbly confess our sins, to the Father and express our belief in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. All of our unrighteousness is washed away. Our sins, no matter how many, are forgiven. And this forgiveness and this redemption, it rescues us. 
And we don't have to be held captive to a life that continues to bring that mess to us. And so that's why Paul prays, continue to fill them, God. Continue to fill them with the goodness of who you are, with the knowledge of who you are, so that the more they come to know you, the more they begin to walk in that knowledge. And the more they begin to walk in that, the more they begin to produce a fruit through you that reflects you in this life. God, fill them with your, the power of your presence to be able to strengthen them, God, that whatever comes against them and attacks that faith and attacks that knowledge, that they have the ability to stand and they have joy, ever-increasing joy in their life. Let this be our prayer. Let this be our prayer, not just for ourselves, but for those that we know, those that we love. To have that personal faith in Christ and to grow in Him. A prayer of proper knowledge and a prayer of proper conduct. Stand with me this morning. Father, I just thank you for your presence. And I thank you for your word. God, help us to understand and see that this word, this, these, these, these things that are written in this book, they're not just fairy tales. They're not just good stories to share. They're real events experienced by real people. who had their lives changed by real God. And these teachings, Father, that Paul, when he took the time in a prison cell, when he could have very easily given up, continued to write and encourage others in their faith and let them know, I'm praying for you. Yeah, I'm in a cell, but I'm praying for you that your faith will continue to grow. And Father, I pray today that as we see that prayer, it becomes real to us. And that we make that our prayer throughout this year. Let us grow in your knowledge and spiritual wisdom and understanding. Make it personal, make it real. Help us to apply it. We don't want to just be puffed up with something we know, we read, and it becomes a part of our mind. We want it to become a part of our life. And then God, help us to live every day walking by your presence, by your spirit, living a life that honors what we know and produces fruit. And help us to have, Father, your power, your strength to endure with patience and to have ever-increasing joy in our life all the while giving you glory because we know our salvation comes from you. And I pray for anyone in this room, Father, that hasn't experienced salvation in you today. They may be stuck in that dirt of their life. 
God, help today be a day that they take a moment to express their desire and their need for you. For their faith to become personal and real to them in their own life. So that, Father, this prayer can become a part of their life for them to grow in you. God, we give you glory. We give you praise in all things. We honor you today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you've never given your life to Christ, I encourage you today to do that. Come talk to one of us. Talk to a close friend. But also make this your new year prayer as you go into 2023. God bless you. We pray you have a great week. Don't miss out on all that's starting this year. Go be catalysts for transformation. If you need prayer in any way today, we would love for you to reach out to us. You can go to our website, bwccamden.com, go to our contact page. You'll find the link there to uh, request prayer or send us anything that you uh, would like to communicate with us today. Or you can also simply text the word prayer to 803-676-7566. And we will be back in touch with you to find out how we can be in prayer for you. God bless you. We hope that you have a great week.